If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies and... On today's episode, it's more of the same. We've got to talk about uh, another loss for the Colorado Rockies, and we've got to talk about some fun and interesting things that are going on inside of the club. Uh, Young players who are performing well, uh, some of the things that you can look forward to for the rest of the season, and I should have some time to get in uh, to a bunch of questions coming in here, hopefully, on the Twitter sphere, not the Facebook today. We're doing uh, the Periscope, seeing how that's going to go, seeing if I've come up with a system that will better allow me to track and answer uh, some of the questions here. That said, let us begin here with a... 12-5 loss at the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers. There were good signs early. Colorado Rockies were doing some interesting things. They got back-to-back home runs from Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman in the first inning against Clayton Kershaw, and your eyes are kind of popping open at that point, uh, maybe for a couple of reasons. Uh, For those of you who are kind of looking at the long game here and are checking forward into the postseason and just rooting against the Dodgers. And I know that that describes more than just a handful of people listening to this. Uh, That was a nice thing to see, right? That Clayton Kershaw um, is not finishing the season well. He's notoriously had 
issues in the postseason and that he's getting knocked around a little bit by a Rockies offense that's really not got much to play for here is encouraging for those of you who just like watching the Dodgers lose, even if the Rockies can't be the ones uh, to make it happen here. Uh, there was also some fun stats that came out of this, like Nolan Arenado hitting 310 in L.A. Uh, the fact that he's one of four guys now to have four career home runs against Clayton Kershaw. Uh, it's been an interesting development over their careers. I wrote a little while back in the piece with Chad Bettis and, and you know pitching at Coors Field. It's really interesting that Nolan Arenado has figured out a way to be offensively dominant in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles, while pitchers like Clayton Kershaw and Madison Bumgarner, with a decent number of games pitched, a relatively large sample size, have not figured out a way to be successful at Coors Field. I, I, I think there's something to that. I don't think it's a slam dunk case where you just look at the you know, ERAs for those guys at Coors and Nolan Arenado's batting average in Dodger Stadium and go, well, there you have it. He's better at making adjustments than they are. But there's something going on there that needs to be talked about, in my view, quite a bit more than it is, certainly on the national stage. So you see that as a way for the game to begin. And then Lambert comes out and he's pitching well early on. A bit of traffic Sure, everybody's going to be giving up traffic to the Dodgers, but he mostly he located his pitches where he needed to, got some nice help from Trevor Story on a, on a really well-turned double play, but he was navigating, and, and he was pitching well, and he was even getting some strikeouts. He was beating big-time hitters in big-time early moments and, and holding his own while the Rockies' offense continued to add you love seeing again your boy Garrett Hampson who by the way if all of you listen to the Denver sports podcast I'm sorry I, I did not say that correctly allow me to repeat rephrase this those of you who listen to the Denver sports podcast know that I tried to make the argument that Garrett Hampson won the week last week and it's because he's emerging as a very legitimate baseball player and allowing all of his natural abilities yes we know about the speed but also his defensive capabilities he's a smart ball player he knows how to faint a guy into uh, making a mistake uh, doing all the little things right but there's the the sort of central tragedy of the game of baseball you have to do all of the little things right but and and we'll get to sam hilliard in in this regard in a minute as well you can do all of the little things right have all of the intangibles but if you don't put the barrel of the bat on the baseball often enough it just doesn't matter you have to get hits you have to get on base no one's defense and speed and baseball IQ in the modern game can replace being able to hit, and especially anymore being able to hit with some pop because it's going to play up and up with the juiced balls and, and everything else that's going on. The bat's not breaking. We've been over all of that. But with Hampson, he's starting to make contact. He's starting to make a lot of contact. He's bunting for singles on purpose. These aren't like he's trying to lay down a sack bunt and then he happens to get on because his speed does put a little extra pressure on the defense. No, he's bunting for a hit on purpose and he's doing it regularly. He did it with two outs 
uh, I want to say a week and a half, two weeks ago, on purpose, utilizing his speed, recognizing that however he gets to first base, it doesn't matter what the young man's slugging percentage is. They, he stole second base on a pitch out the other day. A bunt single is as good as a double for Garrett Hampson most of the time. He's going to have a ridiculous stolen base percentage. So if he can really turn himself into this kind of guy where every at-bat, the defense is on their toes, they're shifting around, they got to bring the third baseman in. So if he decides to swing away, he doesn't even have to make the best of contact to pull it through the left side. There are all kinds of things open up for you when you're doing that. And then, and then, and then... And I don't know if you were watching this. I'm going to guess probably not. I'm going to guess maybe 50-50 on the number of people who are listening to this now who are actually watching the game. But I may be breaking this news to you right now. You probably saw it on Twitter. But Garrett Hampson, who, who's one major, major flaw. I, I think most people expected his hit tool to come around. He always made good contact in the minors. He works a good at bat. And since, since implementing the toe tap, he really has begun to look a lot more like the player we all thought we were going to see. But still, there's never really been a projection that Hampson's going to hit for a ton of power, and I, I don't think there should be. I think you should consider him a, a single-digit home run guy in the, you know, unless something crazy happens probably throughout his career. But he can turn on a mistake, and he did last night against Clayton Kershaw, and a lot of people noted this, and I think it was our good friend, the Saber Skeptic, on Twitter that I saw it from. I mean, I, I I went immediately to the same thought, which was who in the National League or in all of baseball this year, more likely in the National League, has homered off of both Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw this season? And if, if uh, our friend is to believe to be believed and i looked through some some of the game logs as well i i think hampson's the only one and that's pretty crazy for a guy who's only hit five home runs but it shows you also that he can adapt that w- what happens here is you'd love to just throw low junk to everybody but you don't want him to put the ball in play on the ground you want hampson theoretically to put the ball in play in the air and after a successful bunt hit you're really going to try to get up and in on him and all you can do as a right-handed hitter for a lefty who's trying to as the phrase goes get up into your kitchen is to kind of take a little bit more of a guess kind of sit on that fastball and be ready to turn on it and that's what he did it was it was it was almost as much a home run of the mind, and it's not that he outthought Clayton Kershaw necessarily. I assume Kershaw thought, look, the worst thing that could happen here is if he goes up and gets on top of this, he's going to pull a line drive single to left. He's probably not going to take me deep. And, well, <laughs> Hampson took him deep. So it, it, it was a really, really well-played game again from Hampson, who's been definitely the, the story of – not, not 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 the story obviously the the story plays shortstop he has been uh, the bright spot of the last couple of weeks for the Colorado Rockies here as he is trying to take that step into major league regular and he's looking great doing it out there causing havoc against one of the most feared pitchers in the National League against the best team in the National League Hampson 
getting things done, uh, showing you that that skill set, when it really starts to play in the games that you know matter, is going to be a big deal. On the other side of it, you saw in Peter Lambert, I think, a symbol of his entire season. He is a guy who can get the best hitters in the world out in the tensest of moments. But he's also a 22-year-old with very little experience who second and third time through an order that good doesn't have it yet. He doesn't have a way to beat hitters that smart and that capable. He doesn't trust his stuff enough. He doesn't quite have the third pitch that he needs to. But he's still very, very, very young. Want to answer this question just as they come in here, and I'll get back to that. But the Drew Abides, which is a phenomenal handle, says, Hey, Drew, projecting forward to next spring, what do you think the outfield rotation looks like? Uh, I wrote about this a few days ago on bsndenver.com, but I'm glad you asked because it gives me a chance to give everyone the cliff notes and recommend the article and, and hope everyone goes and subscribes and all that good stuff. But As long as David Dahl is healthy, that's your center fielder. And I think that's the right move. He's got the highest ceiling there for sure. He's already been an all-star in Major League Baseball. He's got the confidence and swagger to bat in the middle of the order. The ability, by the way, it's not just about confidence and swagger. All of those things. The ability. He was, for most of the season, the Rockies' most consistent hitter. The power was really starting to show up. And he's a phenomenal athlete that, as long as he comes back healthy, has the best all-around defensive game to play center field for you at Coors. That's the right way to go. David Dolan, center, all-star. Let's assume the Rockies don't trade Charlie Blackman, which I think is the most logical assumption. I've said before, I think there are arguments in favor of it, but I also think it's a lot trickier than many people are making it. I think the most likely scenario is that Blackman is back. I think that means that you've got Charlie in right field. I don't hate the idea of seeing if there's a chance he could figure out first base because his defense is not great in the outfield anymore. Though I I will say this, I feel like in the last two months, He's looked more comfortable in right field. Remember, it is his first year, or at least the first time since like college or, or very early in his big league career that he'd played right field. And he looks a little better out there, but I understand the, the desire to move him for defensive reasons because I do think that the Rockies should make defense priority one but without getting too fantasy roster on you i'm gonna say dolls in center blackman is in right and and you just you accept some of the defensive issues that are gonna happen there and hope that doll can cover up a lot of that by by playing into that right center field gap a little bit more and also out there and left you're gonna have a plus athlete no matter what you're gonna have a plus athlete who can run down a baseball in the gap, which allows Dahl to play a little bit more to help out Charlie and right. Because in left, your choices are now Tapia, Hilliard, 
Hampson, all those guys have plus to plus 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 speed, right? And then it's just whoever's hitting well. And I think Tapia is the front runner right now. He had a very ill-timed injury, but I do think that they believe that his batting average is real and that he's made the right improvements on defense that somebody else is going to need to have an absolutely extraordinary spring. And even then, it's going to be tough. Like, And Tapia would have to have a terrible spring for him to lose that job. So I think that's your outfield with Hilliard, Hampson and Daza kind of battling for that depth spot. There's a lot more upside with Hampson and Hilliard. Daza presents an interesting floor because he's already a more polished defender and he has more experience out there in center field than most of those other guys. But, you know, will the bat ever be anything and he's not going to be a power guy whereas you know Hilliard there's an interesting opportunity there to add uh, a 30 home run guy to your lineup he had his fifth last last night he's only been in the big leagues for a couple of weeks it's he's going to strike out a lot but he's going to hit I think it's going to translate I think his numbers from the minor leagues are going to translate and that that's a very valuable player in this day and age where the strikeout isn't as big a deal as it used to be and the home runs really do make up for it, especially if you can play high-caliber defense and run the bases really well. And Hilliard can do all of those things. So that's how I see the outfield rotation shaking out. And I, I do think, you know, whether or not they look at Hampson at second base and what they do with Ryan McMahon will play into that as well. Uh, at Hurley says... Hey, Drew, what – oh, I'm sorry, at Hurley5280 says, Hey, Drew, what does the future for the Rockies first baseman look like? This was the main topic of conversation on yesterday's podcast, so I won't retread too much of that. I'll, I'll try to refer you to yesterday's podcast. But I, I, I will say this, that I think the best thing that they can do is to find a new home for Daniel Murphy, move Ryan McMahon to first base, and see who among Rodgers and Hampson can figure it out at second. All right, got a few more coming in here. At Mile High Batman says, uh, hey, what are you adding this offseason? Me? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you mean if I was the Rockies, or do you mean do I have any plans to make some new fun additions to the podcast? Uh, no, if... If it was up to me, I would be adding almost exclusively pitching and trying to subtract some of the big contracts. That would be my, yeah, I, I figured, uh, yeah. The If I was in charge of the whole situation here, that's what I would be doing is moving out as many of the big contracts as I can and bringing in as many arms, starters, and relievers as possible for a big open spring training competition. And at spring training, we'll be drinking Breckenridge Brews because it's the official beer of BSN Denver. You know, you have got to try. If you're at all interested in ciders, the Colorado Core, I cannot recommend it highly enough as somebody 
who has always enjoyed a nice crisp cider in the fall time. I, I actually oftentimes prefer that to the fall beers. Not a big pumpkin beer guy am I, though, you know, I, I, to, to each their own. The Colorado Core really is something you're going to want to check out, especially if you're a native or somebody who just loves the sort of taste of cold Colorado mountain cider. It's just fantastic. If it's not your thing, if you prefer to stick with the beer, you know about the vanilla porter, the oatmeal stout, the avalanche amber, and your new best friend, the strawberry sky. Because no matter what you drink from Breckenridge Brewery, you just can't go wrong. It is damn good beer. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, come back on the other side of it, keep talking a little bit about some of the more recent observations of the club and answer a few more questions. You guys have to head to Infinity Park the weekend of October 5th and 6th to check out the International Women's Rugby Sevens event and eat delicious international food while listening to incredible bands. Infinity Park is the only U.S. stop for this rugby series, and teams from around the world are participating, including the USA, New Zealand, Canada, Japan, England, Ireland, Russia, Brazil, France, Fiji, Australia, and Spain. The series is crucial for athletes as they prepare for the 2020 Olympics. Guys, Rugby Sevens is a physically demanding game of speed, endurance, and intensity with some of the world's most talented athletes. If you're a sports fan of any kind, you will be blown away and highly entertained watching these women compete. What's even better is you will be able to enjoy this with the entire family at an incredible price. Adult passes are only $20, and you receive another $5 off when you use code BSN5. Kids 12 and under are $10, and 3 and under get in free for the entire weekend. Visit Infinity Park at Glendale.com for all your information and grab tickets. That's Infinity Park at Glendale.com. You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com and tell them who sent you. Welcome back into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Another tough night for the Colorado Rockies pitching staff. Uh, I was sort of talking about earlier how Peter Lambert had basically a symbol of his entire night. That seven-run bottom of the fourth was a, a total everything that could go wrong did. Some of it was a, the series of singles. Of course, the big home run from A.J. Pollock. And then... uh 
Wade Davis starting a, a four-run rally for the Dodgers there later on so that any hope that the Rockies might get back into it was uh, pretty well washed away. And, you, of course, you want to see more and more improvements from Peter Lambert, but it does begin to, to poke some holes in the theory that Wade Davis, if you just take him away from Coors Field, is going to be just fine. I, I think there's a possibility that the Rockies can get something for him in the offseason, but uh, it's seeming more and more likely that he's going to come back to the roster because he's showing you know these collapses out on the road now. And there could be a silver lining to that for the Rockies, honestly, but what it really means, and I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, this was the case anyway. Don't act like this is new information, but what it means mostly is that they absolutely cannot come into the 2020 spring training season with Brian Shaw and Jake McGee on the roster. And I talked about it yesterday on the podcast. If that means paying them to go away, then that means paying them to go away and literally nobody, nobody, no one, not a single person will criticize them for it. Even if those guys go somewhere else and pitch extremely well which you know one of them will you know you just right this is how that works but I think Davis is going to be on the roster and I I talked a little bit yesterday about how that could work out decently for the Rockies because he won't be the closer and there's a chance his abilities and a renewed outlook and some retooling in the offseason for a guy who does have his resume and his ability and, and his baseball IQ to have a bounce back year and in so doing play up in a sixth or seventh inning role. And if not, you can cut bait a month into the season at that point. But it does make some sense if you can't trade him to bring him back. But if you do that, those other guys just can't be around. It's more from Mile High Batman says, keep the top four starters. And who is number five in the spring? Thoughts on the future of the rotation? Uh, I'm, yeah, I mostly agree with where you're at. Again, it would be easier to sell folks on Peter Lambert as just a, a part of the rotation if he wasn't still having these moments where he gets absolutely knocked around. And you do have to put it in the context of his age and see how he comes back next year. But and then he's been rushed a little bit, thrown into the fire, as, as it were. But I, I would to to borrow a, a phrase. I can't. I think it was Jim Tracy who used to say "behoove" uh, and Thomas Harding, and I've said it before. But it would behoove the Rockies to explore the starting pitcher market and make a a big battle of it. What I I think the best thing to do would be to get one guy i keep using tanner roark as the example i i think there's another uh, jake odorizzi is a free agent this offseason he's there's another guy who could should at the very least unless he's totally destroyed by coors field the thing about roark and odorizzi is they've been very consistent in their careers they've never been great but they've always been good solid reliable pitchers and that is what the Rockies desperately need. And if you take that guy and you stick him in there at fourth in the rotation and you say, 
Gray and Marquez are our one and two. They've got the best stuff. They've been pitching the best lately. We're going to slide Kyle Freeland in there at number three, expecting a rebound. I think a lot of people do. I think Kyle does, and I think it's right to. I, I think there's almost no way he's not at least better than he was this season. But you've got a little bit more insurance for that now if you've got a Roark or an Odorizzi. So if Freeland does struggle, well, you can slide him down a little bit, and then, and then really you know, that other guy is your number three. And they can play there. You can live with Roark is your number three. Freeland is your number four. Now you've got a lot of potential there. And if he's still struggling, you can go, yeah, okay, but at least the season's not relying on your number four rotation guy. And then you've got a huge open competition for number five, featuring a bunch of dudes you've heard of and probably aren't super excited about. But there would be a ton of pressure on all of them to be at their absolute best in preparing over the offseason and in coming into the spring training and there would be a lot of uh, the spring training. There would be a lot of guys who have high ceiling talent that might finally shine through. You're talking about Jeff Hoffman, Antonio Senzatella. Uh, you're talking about Peter Lambert now being a part of a, of a battle with those guys. And then some of the guys who don't have the high ceiling potential of ooh they could break out and and now all of a sudden you're looking at a scary rotation but some guys who could emerge as very solid number five consistent back end of the rotation starters and maybe chichi gonzalez is he figuring things out here a little bit maybe tim melville's a real thing that could that could be interesting could chad bettis get back into the mix the the thing is you don't have to be married to any one of those possibilities you get to let what they do over the off season and into spring training and arguably maybe even in the first month of the season if somebody starts out as a long reliever and they're just having an excellent time maybe they become your fifth rotation guy who knows but you if you acquire one reliable guy you really do let all of these pitchers who remember are still you know, with Hoffman at 25, Sensatella at 24, Chi-Chi and Melville are a little bit older, but service time-wise are in that same area. In fact, Antonio Sensatella, who's the youngest of all of them, has the most experience at the major league level. I guess Lambert's the youngest of all of them, and he's getting a lot of experience this year. There are some very interesting options for the Rockies to get better if they do that. At Mystic5M, uh, I think, says, Crazy idea if the Rockies don't find a suitor for Wade Davis, could he be a couple of innings starter? I've thought about this before, and I'm glad you brought it up because I think that's a fascinating idea. I, th I really think the Rockies could figure something out with that. Um, now, the fact that he has struggled his last couple of times out not pitching in the ninth inning has thrown some cold water on that. But at first, he was doing really well. And again, I do think he's the type of guy who goes in the offseason down to drive line. He gets with some coaches. He figures out a, a solution. And by a solution, I mean fundamental stuff, you know, a, a change in his delivery. Maybe he adds a pitch or he takes away a pitch or he starts throwing he's going to do something 
that's just the you know and and, and i don't think people often think about that they in baseball tend to look at your numbers and go well that's who you are you're you're a this you're a era of or you're a batting average of or you're a war of and you know Davis has been let, let's not sugarcoat it. Davis has been absolutely terrible this year and I fact in fact I I think he's been in the top 3 or 4 reasons why the Rockies season has gone so far south because he's been in such a vital role and imploded so completely. But I do think that that doesn't preclude him from making an adjustment to get back to if not the kind of pitcher he was before, certainly a much better pitcher than he is right now and if he could do that and the Rockies don't get this fifth rotation spot figured out I think he is an opener pitching the first or second inning of a game and then you hand it off to a grouping of Senzatella Hoffman Gonzalez before you start getting to Estevez Diaz Oberg if those guys all play up that could be really really interesting but I I, I think you let that develop over the course of of a season and then mile high batman comes in again and says sounds like the 2020 season might be the year uh, of the youth to step up and the bullpen changes and ads are the key and and I, and I think that's right i think that's it it's i think the rockies did the right thing by handing the team over to the youth movement this year and there were just some more just a few more growing pains for guys like ryan mcmahon and ryan Altapia. Uh, certainly for Kyle Freeland, even still for Armand Marquez. Uh, but Dahl had his all-star campaign. McMahon is showing you now in the second half that he's totally legit. Hampson's starting to show you that he's totally legit. You're looking at a team next year that, as I described earlier, they can make zero position player moves and make themselves better offensively and defensively. Like, that's... That's a good spot to be in when you can make no outside your organization moves. All it's going to do, and they've already shown that Ian Desmond's not a center fielder anymore. So all it means is taking one extra step to saying he's not a starting everyday left fielder. Maybe they'll make it a platoon, but then even then, Ian Desmond's on the weak side of a platoon, which means they've bitten the bullet and decided that, yes, most of the time, Ian Desmond's going to be a bench player. I think a lot of fans who've been having this fight for three years and their hearts are having trouble accepting that that's going to be the case and it's part of their projections moving forward. I, I just want to say I I find it unlikely, unless there's injuries or just a crazy weird kind of performance thing, that Ian Desmond just comes out as an everyday starting left fielder for the Rockies next year. I think Raimel Tapia has a much, much, much better chance of being in that spot. In that case, your outfield defense is much better than it was a year ago. And if they do the thing I was talking about earlier with McMahon and or Hampson Rogers, your infield defense is much better than it was a year ago. And if those guys continue to grow into their athletic primes and their offense continues to grow at the rate it has through this year, your lineup is better than it was a year ago so then you're right it's all about the pitching will says was there anything given as to why we didn't see ben bowden this september i don't think so other than maybe they thought that pazos and deal were ahead of him on the depth chart and that they should be getting those opportunities first and that you know bowden will get his chances maybe they thought he was just a little bit too raw um 
but you know, I, I, I don't think it's speaks a ton to long term plans necessarily. I, I think that, that it was probably just that those guys were just ahead of him on the depth chart and that could change by the time of next season. They could pitch themselves out of that. They could pitch themselves further up, and he could do the same, you know, uh, in the in the baseball that he plays between now and, and the beginning of next year, whatever version of that that we get to watch of Ben Bowden. So, no, I, I don't think there was a whole lot to it. I, I think it just happened uh, out that way that they had these other two guys who were a little bit older, uh, who have a little bit more experience, who they want to see what they've got in them and, and felt a little bit more like they could test them against. Sometimes people forget that, like, it, it can be difficult to take that step and, and face major league talent and not immediately take a step back and, and, and feel like you just don't belong. So th- there can be a risk to just calling a guy up. Uh, even if he's got good numbers in the minors. But I don't think they're worried Ben Bowden was going to fall apart. I'm not saying that either. It's just I really do think it had more to do with Pazos and, and Deal. So I think that's actually a good place to wrap this one up because I want to go try to finish this article I'm writing about Sam Hilliard, and then I want to come back a little bit later in the afternoon, evening time, before the Dodgers game, and do another Q&A, uh, probably over there on the Facebook. This was a lot of fun to do on the Twitter, so it'll be good to kind of try to reach out and, and see different times and, and do some more experimentation with these kinds of uh interactions because i know some people here uh yeah thank you for for joining this was fun i agree Uh, i know some of y'all don't have facebook and i know some of the people on facebook don't have twitter so it's it's fun to be able to chat with some people that we don't always get to have along for these live videos thank you all so much for tuning in make sure you're following us on social media at bsn rockies at drew creaseman at patrick d lyons give patrick a follow he's been fantastic this year give us a like on facebook if you've got it Uh, Make sure you're downloading the podcast on whatever podcast app you happen to be using out there. If you do give us a little five-star, one-sentence review, it helps a lot of people to find out what we're doing here and join the conversation. The more, the merrier, as they say. We've got some fantastic stuff going on over at bsndenvermerch.com. You can get some cool T-shirts. And if the Rockies win, you can get some cool T-shirts for half off. So, you know, another reason to, to... want the Dodgers to lose any of these next couple of games. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Hey, as you may or may not have heard by now, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. And our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today.